Welcome one more time to Mill City. It's really great to see all of you here this morning. My name is Stephanie. I'm one of the pastors here. So if I haven't met you, I'd really love to do that. I'm usually hanging out down here or back by the connections table after the service. I genuinely want to meet you if you are somebody who's maybe new or only been here for a few weeks or a few months. We're really glad to have you and we want you to feel welcomed here. Uh, we've been having a conversation over the last, starting last week and throughout the summer now called You Are What You Love. Okay, so I'm the one that always asks the really awkward um, community time questions. So if you talked about the community time, who talked about it? Did you see what it said? It said, what is the most interesting app you have? And some of you were like, I don't do apps. Like, or you're like, we're talking about Applebee's? What kind of apps are we talking about? But I was talking about your phone, okay? And I know some of you are app people. I feel like there's like, there's like the app people, the people who have lots of apps and they try every single one and they say things like there's an app for that when nobody's asking for their advice. And then there's the people who are like anti, anti this stuff. They're like app minimalists, okay? So they might even have a smartphone, but they only use like the calculator and the text message, all right? And then there's like the in-betweeners, okay? So quick poll, which one are you? Who here is a, I'm gonna try the app if I think it's interesting, people? I am, That's, I'll just confess it, okay. Who's the app minimalists? Yeah, who's like, I wanna raise my hand to say that I do not have a smartphone. Where are you? All right, see, that's cool. The junior hires, not yet, that's all right. What year does that happen? That's the big question, isn't it? It's like, what, I know, it's the big question. When am I gonna get one of these? Well, then who's kind of in between, in between in the apps, all right. so. I knew everyone was going to pick that one because you don't want to be pigeonholed as like an app minimalist or an over app user. But I'm an over app user and I will just confess that. And I have a lot of interesting apps. If you want to look, I, I will show you. But there's, there's just a few I want to mention that I think are very interesting. Uh, one of them is called Voxer. Does anybody have Voxer? And it's kind of like, a, well, Allie does. And it's kind of like a mixture between like a radio, like a walkie-talkie, and then like a voice messenger. And so Allie, who's normally in Colombia, but happens to be here right now, and I mean like the country of Colombia, and then like Steph Cousins, who lives in New York City, and um, Alyssa, who lives in Romania, and then some of us gals here, we talk to each other like in real time on this app. It's crazy. Voxer. Nobody's impressed. Okay. Um, okay, I have this other app called TimeHop. Does anybody have TimeHop? And it shows you what you did on your social media every year that day. So like this time last year, the year before, three years ago, four years ago, et cetera. And so you have all these like nostalgic feelings and you're like looking back at your memories and sometimes you're completely horrified. Like why were you wearing that? Or like what made you think you should have put that? Like this is me. I look at like 2009 and I'm like, why did I put that on the internet? Like what was I trying to say? Why is that funny? It's not. So you have all these mixed emotions and like this nostalgia when that happens. And then I have um, smart house apps because I'm that big of a nerd. So just put me in the box you want me to be in where I can like turn on the lights from my phone. If like the switch is right there. There's no need to have to turn it on from your phone, but I can. And there's like a smart thermostat that, and that's Thompson's fault. He got me into that. Like basically the thermostat learns your rhythms of your life and turns up and down without you having to tell it. Right? People are just like, no. They're just shaking their heads at me. That's fine. That's fine. And okay, there's this one app. This is my final example. This one app, I don't even know what it's called. I don't even remember downloading it. Do you ever re not remember even downloading this? It's like a scanner, like a barcode scanner or something. And it's been doing this thing where it sends me a push notification, right? So your phone's just sitting there and all of a sudden it lights up. Push notification. And it says something. And it says, you should scan this item, this thing at Target, like the store Target. And without fail, when I look up from my phone, 
Within eyeshot is the target bullseye. That's creepy, right? Like it knows that I'm by target and it's like, go into target and scan something you wanna buy, all right? And I, okay, so I bring this up because no matter whether you're an app person or not or even a, a smartphone person or not, technology and communication and marketing, all of these things are shaping our world. I don't think most people would disagree with that. I mean, they are significantly shaping our world. And something that we sometimes acknowledge but often runs under the surface of our lives is the reality that these things are also shaping us. If it's shaping our world so significantly, it's shaping who we are, it's shaping our hearts, it's shaping what we care about, it's shaping what we want, what we love, what we think about. These things that are changing are shaping us and thus shaping who we become, shaping who we are as we exist in this world. And as we started this conversation last week, you are what you love, we're putting this theory out there, and feel free to disagree and let me know what you think, but this theory is this idea that what you love shapes who you are. What you care about, what you desire, what you love is going to shape who you are more than anything else. That's the theory we're putting out there. This idea that what we care about, what we love, what we desire is something that shapes our actions and our actions then determine who we are. And I bring up cell phones because I think many people would say that these are items for some of us that are daily shaping our actions and our daily actions are shaping who we are. And sometimes it's in good ways, sometimes it's in bad ways, sometimes it's in between and we're really not sure. So I think it begs this question. What is happening within our daily lives already that our, our routines, our rituals, our rhythms, some that are guided by technology or by very many other things in our life that, that kind of lead and guide these rituals and routines and rhythms in our life, what are those things and how are they shaping who we're becoming? That's a question that I wanna pose as we go through this conversation this summer. I think there's a, a kind of a common idea particularly in North American cultures, that what we think determines who we are. That it's actually more about our belief set, our um, ideas of what we think about things, the way we engage intellectually or with our minds that shape who we are. And I just want to say there's just not actually a lot of evidence around that. There's a lot more evidence, and what we want to suggest is that what we love actually shapes us more than what we think. And sometimes we just have to wrap our mind around what that would mean for us. Because I think, myself included, what we think and what we love can be really different sometimes. What we want to be about when we think about our plans and our hopes and what we really want to be about, but then what our actual loves and desires and kind of our gut reactions are, are very different. And sometimes we think about certain things and then we don't really do it. We have these ideals in our mind, oh, I want to be somebody who's like this and who does these different things, but then we don't. So I want to just kind of put it out there. How many of you, like me, feel that there is often a disconnect be between what you think and what you actually do? Does anybody feel that disconnect? I often feel that disconnect. I think about it and I'm like, this is what I want to be about. I know in my mind, I've decided in my brain that this is what I want to be about. But there's these other forces, these other things in my life that are actually dictating that more and more. And so at the end of the day, I think that we're going to step into and take actions towards the things that we want, the things that we love, the things that we desire. And advertisers and marketing, some of you are in those fields, they think about this all the time, don't they? They're thinking all the time about this concept. They're going to use any means necessary to shape what we love and what we want. 
Because they know that if they can shape our hearts and what we love and what we desire and what we want, then they're most likely to get the desired behaviors out of us that usually have to do with purchasing things, right? So, for instance, I, I think this, hopefully this isn't shocking to anybody, but Google, Google is very aware of our behaviors. If you didn't know that, we can start a support group or something, but Google knows about what's going on. And if, this is a reality right now, if you go on to Target.com or BestBuy.com and you search some sort of item, like say you're looking for a new DVD player, and then you search that, and then you walk into a Target store when you have a cell phone that has like the location on it, Target gets a, a notification from Google saying how many people search their website and then go into the store so that Target knows how many people are going from web searches to actually purchasing in their stores. Like, this is the kind of stuff that's going on. Like, Google knows this stuff. And I think that one of the things that we could feel when we think about the fact that other people are really trying to shape our hearts and shape our desires is kind of get all creeped out, right? Like, I'm going to turn this notification off. Like, they can't do that to me, and I'm not going to search on Google anymore. And I'm going to grab my friend's phone when I'm searching for something now. And then they won't know what I'm doing, and they'll think my friend was searching the DVD player with the extra Blu-ray thingies or whatever. But I actually think that those things are all relatively surface responses to a problem. If you, if you feel as though that you need to do those things, like, I totally support that. If you're going to go back to the dumb phone, like, that might be a thing and you need to do it. That's cool. But I would say that the main point I'm trying to make is that other people in our cultures and in our world are being very intentional to shape our hearts. And I think the question that we have to ask then of ourselves and we're asking this summer is, are we being intentional when it comes to shaping our hearts towards the things that we want to be about and the things that God loves? So this summer, the questions we're asking is, how is what we love shaping our lives? How intentional are we being with, maybe you could put it like this, heart-shaping activities, rhythms, routines, rituals that shape our hearts towards what God loves and towards the love of God and love of neighbor, as Jesus says, is the most important things we can be about. So if you are what you love, then you're going to do what you love. You're going to act out of that place. How do we calibrate our hearts? That's another way we're putting it. How do we calibrate our hearts to make sure that the way that we are living our lives on a daily basis, not just our big decisions, but on a daily basis, how are the ways that we're living our lives encouraging us to love the things that God loves? And how is the way that we're living our lives daily challenging us against the things that we know our hearts are pulled towards that are not what God wants for us? the things that, that actually cause destruction in this world and pull us away from the heart of God. So this is what we're exploring this summer. You are what you love, and you lo what you love shapes who you are. Who is your life shaping you to be? What kind of person is your life shaping you to be? So let's look at a passage together where we see Jesus addressing this concept. It's going to be in Luke 6. If you have a Bible, Luke 6, 43 through 45, and uh, we'll put it up here on the screen. Jesus is, I think, really head-on confronting this idea of what comes from our hearts. He's speaking here. This is just an excerpt of a larger conversation that Jesus is having with a bunch of people listening to him called the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of the most uh, famous and well-known collection of things that Jesus says to those who are, are, really a lot of them are his disciples and others are wondering if they want to be. Are they going to choose to follow this guy? And so they're gathering around him and he's sharing these things from his heart for these people whom he loves 
as he knows he's somebody who's come to not only live amongst them as God, but also human, which he did not have to do, but is going to die for them and conquer death for them. And so he's sharing out of his heart, out of his fully God, fully human heart to these people what he ex- wants to express to them. And in Luke 6, we see this excerpt, Luke 6, 43 through 45, and we'll have it up here on the screen. This is what Jesus says. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So I'll just leave that up here for a minute so you can look at this, this metaphor that Jesus is using. It's actually a relatively simple metaphor. It's not, I, I don't think he's trying to make something complicated, but it actually is a way in which a simple metaphor is being used for some very deep realities in our lives. This idea of a tree and its fruit. Jesus is saying the kind of fruit on a tree gives you a clue to what's at the core of this plant, Right? It's just kind of illogical to think that a fig is going to grow from a thorn bush. It's going to grow from a fig tree. I think Jesus is presuming that that's an obvious thing. It's, it's illogical to think that a grape is going to grow from a bramble bush or another kind of thorn-like bush, right? A grape is going to grow from a vine. This is supposed to be a simple concept. Jesus is making this statement to say, you see what is at the core by making observations of the fruit. You see what's at the core by making observations of the fruit. And then Jesus uses this language of the heart here, we're translating the Greek into English, as a place where either the good things are stored, and the good things that are stored lead to good fruit, or the bad or the evil things are stored, and those lead to bad fruit. He's trying to make a comparison that it's that obvious, right? You can't have a good, good things lead to bad things, good things leads to good, bad things lead to bad. Very simple is what he's trying to say. And he uses this illustration or this phrase in the, the version that I read, treasury of your heart. There are things that are in the treasury of your heart. I like the way that that's put. That's a helpful image for me to think about these things that are packed away in an important spot in the treasury of your heart. And so this is an important thing to think about. What is treasured in your heart? What is going on inside the deepest part of you? What do you love? That's the question of today. The specific question out of this overall question that I want to ask you today is, What do you love? When the concept of a heart is used in scripture, it's referring to this idea of the center of who you are, the core of who you are, um, sometimes referred to as our gut or our soul, like the very center of your being. And it's actually kind of interesting. I don't know if you have heard this before, but not all cultures use the metaphor of a heart when talking about the center of somebody and who they are. Uh, So when we talk about that, we refer to the heart and we're thinking about like the organ in our bodies that's like here, right? And, and this idea that that's where our emotional center is, that's where our desires come from, our wants. That's a very common metaphor in our culture and in many cultures. But in like South Asia, for instance, they would never say that uh, your desires or your love or whatever comes from your heart. They would actually say it comes from your abdomen. Because in their mind, like that's the center of who you are, your stomach. And so if you were going to, translate this from Greek into a a language in South Asia, it would probably sound like this. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good gut. That's what they would say. Or from the treasury of a good stomach. 
from a good abdomen. And I actually find that a, a helpful thing to think about because we use the metaphor of a heart so frequently um, and it's very commercialized even within our culture. And I like thinking about it in the way that people in South Asia would because when you think about your gut, I, at least for me, I think about my gut feelings, like my gut reaction, like almost the things that are kind of a, a reflex, like what is your gut instinct? And I think that's what is more true when we're talking about what we truly love. What is our gut reaction to things that we hear? What is our gut reaction to the people around us, to the things around us, to whatever it is? Like most of you don't spend time thinking, do I love this? before you respond to something that you deeply love. It's like a part of your gut. And so I like thinking of it that way. I think it's a helpful reframe than just thinking of our heart, which most of us know only actually pumps blood and doesn't have any processes for emotions. If that's new to you, we should talk about that. But that's, it's a metaphor, right? It's how it comes, what comes of what we truly love. It's at our core. It's at our gut. It's not on the surface of ourselves. It's deep inside of us. It's our gut instinct. So I think the question that God might have for us is, what is your gut instinct? What's your gut instinct towards the things that God desires for us and, and calls us to? First and foremost, what is our gut instinct and our gut reaction to God in our lives? Is that a place of love or are we, are we afraid? Or are we, are we doubting? Are we questioning? Are we having distrust? I don't know. But do we have a gut instinct of love of God? Do we have a gut instinct of love of neighbor? When we engage somebody who's different than us, is our gut reaction to move towards them or is our gut reaction to step away? Is our gut drawn more to love or more to fear or self-protection or love of control or love of power? Is our gut feelings more uh, geared towards or calibrated towards greed or uh, entertainment or pleasure there's so many things that might be part of our gut instincts. And I think that that's okay. I think that God sees us and knows us and doesn't desire shame for us, but desires for us an honest look at what we really love. What really is going on there in that deep part of yourself? So let's start there then in this conversation. Let's start with what is. Let's start with the, pretty much the only place you can start, which is where are we actually at right now? What is our gut instincts of love towards? What draws us towards? What are we drawn towards when we're not thinking about it? What is our gut instinct? So what's happening in our hearts now? What do we currently love? How is that shaping us? And who is that shaping us to become? So what we're going to do today is a form of a heart audit. I'm calling it a heart audit or like a love audit. We're looking at our heart or our soul, and we're wanting to say what's actually happening here. Let's make some observations about the fruit that reveals what's at the core, the state of our heart today. And so we're going to do a little exercise here in a minute. And what I'm hoping for, and nobody wants homework in the summer, I totally get it, but I'm hoping that we do a little activity today and then you take it with you and go a little bit deeper into this. Because I think what the reality is is that uh, there are some things kind of on the surface that we can access pretty quickly. When you say, what do you love, you have some things you can, you can say right away. You know where they are in your mind, in your heart. You've thought about this before. Or you don't have to think that much to know what you really care about. But if you're going to be really brutally honest, if you're going to really look at what's in, at your core and what's in your heart, I think we have to be willing to dig a little bit deeper. 
to go to that place that really hasn't been accessed for a while and say, hey, what's really going on in my heart? So it's kind of like this. I was thinking about this yesterday. So my boyfriend and I drove to Colorado, and it takes like, what, 13 hours. And on the way back, at like hour seven, he starts digging through the center console of my car, all right? You don't really want anybody digging through the center console because you don't know what's in there, right? And so he's like pulling stuff out, and there's all this random stuff, and I, I did not know, I was not sure that any of that was in there before he started digging it out. There's like two bags of almonds. One of them was very expired. There was like a whole bunch of gum and like tea bags. There was uh, CDs. Remember those? There were CDs. And one of them wasn't even opened. Like the cellophane wrapper was still on it. And then there was, at the very bottom, a tape measure, and those always disappear. And then a Strengths Finder personality test book in the center console. And if anybody knows that, you know that that is something that's deep part of me, is that personality test, and it's really nerdy, really nerdy part of me. So that was in down deep in the center console of my car. And so what I'm inviting you to do is to go to the deepest place you can, not just today, but throughout this conversation, to figure out what is in the center console of your life. Like, what is in that deep place in the center of who you are that sometimes, oftentimes, we don't access because we're going through life and we're not thinking about it, but life tends to build up some of these things that are a part of our life, just like things build up in the center of your car as you drive it for a couple years. So that's what I'm inviting you to. So some of the Connections team are going to pass out these worksheets, and uh, basically what they have on here is uh, some questions, and then this circle, which, why don't you put that up on the screen for me, Derek? You can't see it super well, the circle, but you can see the words, and when you get your sheet, you'll see it. Um, it's just that uh, it's in a, kind of a light gray. But our friend Christine Osgood, some of you know Christine. Oh, nice. Some of you know Christine. She runs the Urban Retreat, and she has come up with this concept of the dimensions of our soul. And so some of you were probably there when she talked about that. Who was here when Christine Osgood talked about your soul care? Yeah, it's awesome. You can listen to that back on our podcast maybe like two months ago. And Christine was talking about these six aspects of our soul or what makes up the core of who we are. She talked about our spirit, our spiritual life and what we're drawn to, our mind in regards to our thoughts, our mind in regard to our emotions, our body, our physical body, our social context, context and our relationships, and then meaning or another way to think of meaning is purpose. And she, she puts meaning and purpose in the back of that circle almost like it's a steering wheel and it's propelling you forward meaning and purpose propel you forward. So uh, a group of us brainstormed a bunch of questions. You might actually think of a lot of better questions, and if you do, you can let us know about it. But what I want you to do right now is I'm going to give you like three minutes to actually pick one of these six areas. Okay, so pick emotional center or pick social life. Um, pick body, which I'm using the phrase, the concept of time and resources for what you do with your body. And then when you see the second sheet, there's a, a place where you can write down some thoughts. Maybe you want to jot it down on a phone or just think about it. But I'm going to actually give you three minutes to just think about one area. Can everybody pick just one area? Think about these questions. Let those questions take you where you want to go in your mind. And trying to access some of the deeper places in your heart. All right? So Mason's going to play a little bit of music, and I'll let you do that for three minutes, and then I'll come back. So go ahead and uh, look, pick one of the six and go for it.
I think most of you probably think like there's just no way I can do really even start this in three minutes. And I kind of wanted you to get that feeling. Like this is something that takes some time. It's something that's worth scheduling some time for because we need to know the answers to these questions. We need to know where our heart is leaning towards, what is our heart calibrated towards because we can't really move forward without knowing the answers to these questions. And it's okay if some of them are a little fuzzy and we're not totally sure. Some of you might need a conversation partner to help you with it, but I just, I really wanna encourage you to try. And you'll see there's even some reflection questions after you go through all six areas. Ask these questions of yourself. Find a conversation partner to chat about it with. I really want to encourage you to do that. Let me just tell you, as the band's getting ready to play for our last couple songs, uh, what this has looked like for me to begin doing this this summer. Because I really do try to take the advice of my own sermons. And so I've been going through this process, and there's a couple things that have already been revealed. Let me tell you two examples. Some are good, some are not so good. The first one is, I've noticed that I have kind of a routine or like a response when I feel anxiety, which I do sometimes, to try to think about what I'm grateful for. Because a few years ago, somebody told me, like, psychologically speaking, you can't experience anxiety and gratitude at the same time. And I was like, that sounds interesting. I want to try it. So I really intentionally took this rhythm of every time I felt anxious to start thinking about things that I'm grateful for. And that was really hard for me to do because I usually wanted to dwell on the things I was anxious about. But it works, you guys. Like, you actually stop feeling anxious, like, in your body. And so I've noticed as I was doing this that that's become kind of a regular gut instinct for me to start thinking of the things I'm grateful for when I'm feeling anxious. And uh, sometimes that means I'm daydreaming in a meeting, but that's what's happening, because I'm going towards what gratitude to pull myself out of a feeling of anxiety. So I noticed that about myself. I also noticed another thing that maybe some of you guys can resonate with, and that was from the question about what do you think about first when you get up in the morning? What's your first thought in the morning? And mine is, what are those little red dots representing on all those apps, right? So these are the notifications of things that have happened on the news or on social media, in the world, while I've been sleeping. And I, before I even get out of bed, this is a rhythm in my life right now that I don't even remember choosing, I look at all those things, okay? And as I look at those things, particularly the news, um, there's little shots of cortisol, the stress hormone, like flying through my body. And I actually think that's helping me wake up, okay? Now, probably not helpful, but the question isn't like just that question, but then the next question is like, what is that routine causing in my heart? What is that calibrating my heart towards? How is that shaping my heart? And as I was doing this reflection, I'll be honest with you, what that's shaping in my heart is a version of FOMO, like the fear of missing out. I wake up in the morning with a sense that I have missed something, and I have to tell you that it was a very, I think I put the term like sobering reality for me to recognize that one of my initial heart emotions every morning is a form of fear. Even if it's a slight one, you guys, like that's the first thing I feel in the morning. And there's no way that that's not changing how I experience my whole day. So I'm going to start an experiment, and if any of you share with me the FOMO, you can do it with me. And I'm going to, in the morning, make a conscious effort to not look at my phone until I've read something encouraging or journaled or read the Moravian text or whatever I'm going to do in the morning. And this is going to take intentionality because it means I have to use an alarm clock, like a real one. And it means that I have to read paper, not something on my phone, right? And I'm going to have to plug it in in another place. But that's going to be an experiment, okay, for me to just try it and see if that shapes my heart differently to do something different as my very first thing that I do before I even get out of bed in the morning. So maybe some of you want to join me with something like that. But that's, that's where we want to go with this. 
If we don't reveal those things in our hearts, we don't know what rituals and routines and rhythms we want to intentionally take up in our lives. So this is where we need to start. I want to encourage us to do that this week. And as you're doing that, like I said earlier, shame is not what God wants for us in this. It is true. God sees your heart. God knows you better than you know yourself. But God's desire for you is not to be filled with shame. And so if that is what you're feeling when you think about some of these things as you answer these questions, I pray against that shame in Jesus' name. That's not what God wants for us. What God's inviting us into is a conversation with God, that God is a part of these questions as we answer these questions, that God is with us in that saying, I want more for you. The more of yourself that you give for me, to me, the more I will give to you of my love and of who I am, and that will be what's in the center of your heart, and that will be what overflows out of your heart. But we have to start by asking these questions, and it's going to take a lot of trust, and it's going to take probably a little bit more surrender to God than a lot of us have been doing lately. And so we're going to sing the song, I Surrender All. And as we do that, I just want to put it out there. I think that sometimes when we sing songs like this, it's more of a prayer than it is a statement. Sometimes we're just saying, listen, God, I want to surrender all, but it's hard. I'm scared. When I open up my heart and look what's inside, I'm not super pumped about what I see. Or it's really difficult for me to be honest about it or whatever. But as you sing these words, you're saying to God, I really want to surrender. I want to. I want to surrender more maybe than I have. I want to pursue that. It's okay if this is more of a prayer than a statement as you sing today. So let's stand and I'm going to pray and we're going to step into these last couple songs of response and of worship as we open up our hearts to a God who loves us. Let's pray. Jesus, we need your love in this time for us to be honest with ourselves, to be honest with you about the things that are going on inside of us. You know what those things are, but you desire honesty from us. And you call us to surrender. And you call us to trust. So God, I pray that if anybody's feeling shame or anxiety or these things that are not from you, that upon them you would just be showering your love. That it's from a place of unconditional love that you show us, that you draw us closer to your heart you draw us deeper into the things that you care about, God. So we want to surrender all. We, we want to try. We want to turn our hearts towards you, but we need your leadership. We need your presence, your guidance, and most importantly, your love. We ask that you would receive this worship as we, we pray to you and we ask you for what we hope for in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.